The Productive Woman, Episode 317. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I will be sharing with you my conversation with realtor, wife, and mom, Sarah M. You'll find more information about Sarah, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 317. This episode is brought to you by a new sponsor, Function of Beauty. You know, one size fits all may work for your accessories, but when it comes to your hair, we all need something a little different to help us look our best. Well, what if your hair care was as unique as you are? I am excited to have found Function of Beauty for just that reason. Function of Beauty is hair care that's formulated specifically for you. No matter your hair type, they create shampoo, conditioner, and treatments to fit your unique needs. How unique, you ask? Well, they have over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is unique as you are. Here's how it works. First, you take a quick but thorough online quiz and tell them a little about your hair. They ask you about the texture and thickness of your hair, as well as your hair goals. Are you looking for hydration, straightening, color protection, other things, heat protection? They ask you all those things. And then Function of Beauty's team determines the right blend of ingredients and bottle your custom formula to order. I really loved being able to choose my hair goals. That is what I wanted my treatments to do to my hair. And you also get to choose the color and the scent and everything related to the shampoo and conditioner. And that was a lot of fun. Once you've done that and they've bottled it up, they even put your name on it. They deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance. And like I said, they even have your name on the bottle. It's very nice. I've been using Function of Beauty shampoo and conditioner for about a month and I love the product and I really love the results. The shampoo and conditioner are both very rich and creamy feeling and my hair feels soft and looks great. I've been really happy with it. In addition to the shampoo, the conditioner and the various hair treatments you can get, they also have other products like body wash and lotion, which I'm also using and really enjoy. And the great thing is their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients in the products that they formulate just for you. Function of Beauty is not just the first ever custom hair care brand. It is the internet's top rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. So what are you waiting for? You can go to functionofbeauty.com slash TPW to take your four-part hair profile quiz. Just takes a few minutes. 
and you'll save 20% on your first order. So that's function of beauty, all one word, functionofbeauty.com slash TPW for 20% off your first order. And be sure to let them know you heard about it from the productive woman. That's functionofbeauty.com slash TPW. And now let's get right into my conversation with Sarah. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Sarah M. Sarah is the mom of two young kids under five. She's a wife and she's a realtor serving Philadelphia here in the United States and its surrounding suburbs. But she grew up all over the place, Chicago, Seattle, and Seoul, South Korea. After graduating from college in Korea, she spent a year in Tokyo, Japan, and another year in Florence, Italy, and I'm totally jealous, uh, and another year yet in New York City. She now lives in Glenside, Pennsylvania with her family, uh, but they're planning a move to another town, I think nearby, we'll ask her about that, next year where her family's building a new house. Currently, her main interests in life are her Christian faith, living well with ADHD, figuring out how to be an awesome realtor, minimizing her possessions, Montessori education, making children's clothing, and searching for that elusive balance between work and personal life. She says she tends to have a wandering soul and she has aspirations to world school her children and she'd like to order her family's life in order to make that happen. Uh, All of that is so interesting to me, and I have been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters as she defines it. So welcome, Sarah. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. And I I guess in the interest of full disclosure, we should share that uh, we met quite a while ago when you were in one of the Productive Woman Mastermind groups. And then later on, you were my virtual assistant for a couple of years, helping with the podcast, the show notes and various things like that. And we had a great time working together. But since then, you've been doing a lot of other interesting stuff. And I think maybe a little bit over your objection, I talked you into coming and and being on the show with me to talk about some of the things that you're doing. Yes, we we do have some history, don't we? (laughs) Yes, we do. I was your assistant for a little bit, and I was um, embarking on my journey as a realtor, so that kind of overlapped. And then my life as a realtor just took over, so unfortunately, I had to leave uh, the position of helping you, (laughs) and that made me very sad, but you know, you now have a wonderful new assistant. And um, I have found a great career in real estate. So yeah, lot to share about that. (laughs) Yes. And I am going to be picking your brain a little bit about some of your work as a realtor and some of the other things you're talking about. I gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but is there anything else maybe that you want to tell us about who you are, what you're doing, any anything that you think would be useful for us to know as we get into the conversation about how you're managing it all? I think you gave a really nice summary of <laughs> who I am and you know where I come from and um, the things that are taking up mental space in my life. So you're working as a realtor. You have two young children. How is that working to be a realtor in this time, as, as you and I are talking, 
the United States and the world really is still in the midst of the COVID pandemic, which has affected all of us in many ways. But you started working on the realtor stuff before this happened. How has the the pandemic changed it uh, for you? How are how is it working out for you to do the realtor work in the midst of this? I would say, in terms of the housing market itself, the real estate market, it's actually the COVID has not negatively impacted it, at least in my area. Uh, I'm in Philadelphia, surrounding suburbs, and there's an absolute boom here. There's too much demand for the amount of homes out there for sale. So it's a great time for sellers who want to consider selling. They really can get top dollar. And for buyers, it's a great time to buy because the interest rates have never been lower. So for both sides, there's, you know, great advantages to buying and selling. But, you know, it's just really difficult because (laughs) there's not enough houses to go around. And given that market climate, it's a great time to be a realtor. But I was hoping to share this with you later because I know you were going to ask me about what my biggest challenges are, you know. And I would have to say in my personal life, trying to balance life as a self-employed realtor and trying to keep two very young kids at home has impacted my sanity. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to, you know, figure out how to be a good mom um, in the way I define it and trying to stay active in my career, you know, without selling my soul pretty much (laughs) has been a big challenge to say the least. Yeah. I And I don't doubt that. I think a lot of us feel that way, that that tug of war between the various roles that we play. And and I, I guess I, we should say that your your work as a realtor, do you work exclusively with residential? So you're not doing commercial uh, representation? No, I'm not doing commercial. I heard that's a whole nother animal. Yeah. So um, I want to focus on residential. Yeah. I've often thought that would be fun because it's just fun to go into other people's houses and, and, you know, (laughs) see what they look like and all of that. But I know it's a lot of work and, and I, I've heard from others the same thing you were just mentioning about the Philadelphia area, that there are more buyers than there is inventory in the market. Uh, The realtor that helped us with our home purchase back in December actually just reached out to me recently because she's got a buyer who's looking for a house in a particular area and she's just, you know, trying to find something for her. So I know it's a very demanding profession and then you have two young children and, and the, the other things that are important to you. We'll come back to the whole real estate thing probably for a few minutes later on. But let's get into how you are managing these various things that you're committed to and interested in. And as I've often said, in order to understand how the the tools and systems you have in place work for you. I think it's helpful to have some backdrop for that, a a little bit of context in the sense of the, the kind of life you have. And so if there is such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? Since the pandemic has started, my typical day has changed very much. (laughs) Um, Before I would wake up, you know, sometime around seven or eight um, and start my day. Um, But these days I try to get up sometime between the four and five in the morning because that's when the house is quiet. 
and I have some time to think to myself. I usually get up and have a glass of water and I sit down to listen to a really short uh, devotional um, called Solid Joy by um, Pastor John Piper. And then um, I also have a subscription to a service called sendoutcards.com. You can make a card and have it sent out to somebody. Um, So I try to do one a day. It's hard times out there for everybody. And I just thought, sending a card for no particular reason at all (laughs) Mm. someone that I've been thinking about might brighten their day. So that's my little thing that I'm trying to do to send out some joy. Let's see what else. So if I had the energy to make my plans for that day, the night before I open up my planner to see what I have planned for that day. If I didn't have plans made, um, I start writing down the things that I need to do that day. If I'm, feeling particularly restless that morning or feeling anxious about something, I take out my morning pages. I think I learned about morning pages on your podcast Mm -hmm. at some point. Um, But I take out that notebook and just start dumping all my thoughts out on the paper. And I definitely don't do this every day, um, nor do I fill three pages each time I do it. Um, Sometimes it's more than a page or more than three pages. Sometimes it's not even a page. And uh, I think that really helps to sort out my thoughts and feelings and overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Around seven, the house starts stirring because everyone starts to wake up. And so I put my things away, start making breakfast. We've just started sending the kids. We're kind of easing them back into daycare again. Um, they're not there full time, but just a couple days a week. So on the days they go to school, I pack their lunches, and by 9 a.m. they're dropped off and I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot, you know, get off that preschool driveway fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> on the days that they do stay home, we do a little bit of homeschooling using the Montessori materials that I purchased at the beginning of the pandemic, or we just go outside to explore and have a little bit of fun in the park. Thankfully, they still nap in the afternoon so we have lunch they nap and that's when I get a little bit of work done and when they wake up let them watch a little bit of tv that gives me another hour or so to continue working and around 5 30 to 6 I either pick up the kids or my husband takes over with the kids when um, they're at home and um, you know we get dinner ready we have a little bit of like a family activity time. Either we turn on some music and dance together or play games or something fun that the kids want to do. And then we get them bathed and ready for bed and they're off to bed. Hmm. Sam and I take turns putting the kids um, down for bed. So on the days that it's my turn, I just go to bed with them at 8.39. Uh, that's really early, but that's how I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And on the days that it's my husband's turn, I usually go to bed around 10 o'clock and try to reset the kitchen before then, plan the day or the next day, or um, finish up on work that I didn't get around to doing. So that's that's a typical day. It's not always the same, but I try to keep it that way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, having, especially with young kids in the house, having some sort of 
relatively predictable routine. I always found when my kids were younger that it was helpful for them. They kind of knew what to expect and, and seemed more, a little more content. It's, you can't always do that obviously, because mm-hmm. things come up, but having some sort of relatively predictable routine, uh, I think makes for a little bit more peaceful household. <laughs> Has that been your experience or? Oh, definitely. So how do you, I mean, as a realtor, part of your job is either me, I think, based on what I've seen with my other experiences with realtors, you have to be going out and showing homes or, uh, you know, taking buyers around to see homes or showing, you know, signing up listings and things like that. How do you make that work with young kids? Is this, you know, trading off things with your husband or do you do it while they're in daycare? How do you, how do you get those pieces of your work done? So with the pandemic, my husband has been working from home. So if I need to go show houses uh, while the, on days that the kids don't have daycare, my husband just works from home and he keeps an eye on them. Uh, but they kind of play by themselves or uh, my husband gives them some kind of activity that they can do without too much supervision, like mm-hmm. puzzles or painting or something like that. So. I run out, show the house, come back, and then on days when they are in daycare, then I'm free to go around to do whatever I need to do. So I try to schedule most of my appointments on days when we do have childcare, or I try to keep all my showings on the weekends or evenings. Mm, okay. It sounds like pretty full days, pretty full weeks, but you're you're building in... Uh, the time with your family as part of all of that. Uh, I always think it's interesting to hear the differences in people's lives. Everybody's life is a little different, has different challenges as far as staying productive, getting those things done that really matter to her. And you've mentioned some of yours. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit. The challenges that you mentioned earlier, is there one that really pops to mind that that you've been working on? Sure. As I mentioned earlier in our talk, I would say that the biggest challenge right now is, you know, trying to figure out <laughs> how to be a good mom and, you know, trying to stay sane between that tug of war between yeah. the duties of being a good mom and the demands of my career. And I realized that I have a tendency to say yes to everything, not because I feel bad saying no or anything like that, but because I genuinely think that sounds like a great idea or a lot of fun. So I just say yes. And later I open up my calendar and I see that there is no way, there is no human, human, humanly possible way for a, a person to do all those things. So I think when I first started out in my career as a real estate agent, well, I was so full of hope, but at the same time, it was very hard because I was essentially working a full-time schedule for no pay at the very beginning with two extremely young children, and we had to pay for daycare full-time. So my stress had hit its peak, and the kids were tired and cranky, and our bills were piling up, and... Our house was always a mess, and I remember yelling at my kids who were only 
three, three and one at the time. And my daughter um, just silently went up to her room and I found her sobbing <laughs> under Aww. the covers. And, you know, I just felt like a monster. Um, and she told me in her little three-year-old voice, you make my heart hurt, mommy. Like, what did I do wrong? And that just shattered me. And in that moment, I guess the only thing that came to my mind was to vow to do more, to do better. Um, but, you know, we all know that that doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I, I really didn't know how else to navigate that stage because I was so committed to my career, but I also wanted to be a, a great parent. In, in that sense, the pandemic has actually been a really big blessing in disguise because uh, temporarily the real estate sector in Pennsylvania was shut down overnight for a couple months. We weren't allowed to show homes. We weren't allowed to um, go inside people's homes to go on appointments to list their homes. You could do Zoom calls, um, but no in-person anything. And you could still write contracts for people um, who were willing to make offers on houses sites unseen. But none of my clients felt comfortable doing that, and I didn't feel comfortable offering that either. Yeah. So, you know, it just gave me some time to put work down for a little bit and throw myself into thinking about what kind of parent I wanted to be and what type of education I wanted to provide my kids and also what kind of life I wanted to display as an example for my kids. Mm. Working crazy hours, not going to bed until 2 o'clock in the morning or getting up and doing the whole thing all over again, stressed and yelling at them, that, that definitely did not look like the ideal life that I wanted to display for them. I really did love, and I still do love every single moment that I'm in real estate, but I didn't like that I was so unavailable and stressed all the time. So I kind of had a a metaphor in my mind. And at the time I felt like I was in a car going down the interstate at a hundred miles an hour without a break. And it's not like I had a concrete destination that I was going towards. I was just going fast. It wasn't also like I was enjoying the scenery on the way because I was so focused on not crashing the car. Yeah. So in, in, in that sense, I'm really grateful for the quarantine because I feel like the car was stopped for me mm. and I didn't crash and I didn't burn. <laughs> so. And then to continue the metaphor, it sounds like maybe you got the brakes fixed while you were qu- quarantining so that you had a little more control over the car when you got back in it. That's a really great point. I didn't even think about that. Um, but I think that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm fixing the brakes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So the market is open back up and we're very active. Um, you know, I wrote three offers just in the past couple of days. But I got to tell you, even with the housing market booming, I have not jumped in with the full gusto that I had when I first started my career because I'm trying to be really intentional and purposeful about just the opportunities that I say yes to. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and you know, I, I may end up having fewer closings and, and less money in my pocket. Um, 
But my daughter told me one day, we were just curled up on the porch um, sofa. And she told me, um, Mommy, you're so much nicer now. (laughs) And she said she loves just doing nothing with me. She said, I love doing nothing with you. Hmm. And that made me think, you know what? I think this is the right thing. I'm working less, but when I look back 20 years from now, I don't think I will regret this decision. I can always work when they go back to school or, you know, when they're older. Yeah. Uh, But their their childhood is is just a moment. So it it really is true. I mean, speaking as one whose whose kids are all grown, uh, you know, adults and out on their own, I can look back and think, wait a minute, they were just babies 20 minutes ago. How how did they get to this stage? And when you're in the midst of it, it feels like it's going to last forever when you're in the midst of those, you know, those eight, that stage of life when the kids are young and they really need a, a lot of time and attention and you're not getting enough sleep. And, and, and this is true, whether you have a full-time job, a part-time job, or you're, you know, you're, you're just home with your kids. It, it, it's, it can be exhausting and it seems like it's going to go on forever and you'll, you'll never not be tired again. And yet when you get to the other side of it, you can look back and, and, and it was like a blink of an eye. And that sounds so cliche, but that's been my experience and, and that of a lot of moms, you know, kind of of my vintage whose kids are grown, you, you, you get to the other side of those demanding younger years and you think, oh man, it, it, it passed so quickly. And I don't think very many moms would say they regret the time they spent with their kids. I can say I regret, um, not spending more time with them when they were little, you know, letting, letting my job kind of take over at times, like you were describing. I really need to remember that. <laughs> well, it's hard though, when you're in the midst of it, and especially, you know, you've got a, you've chosen a career or it has chosen you, whichever it is that, um, is time intensive, but can be very rewarding financially. Uh, I had a similar experience when I, you know, went to law school later in life when I already had my kids and you know, you, there are lots of things you can, um, the income you can earn from a, a successful career like that can be very tempting because you can, you can feel like, well, if I work a few more hours, then I can, you know, do this thing or for the family or for myself or, or whatever. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong, but being intentional about it and making sure that what you're choosing to do is really what you want to do. Uh, and, and I love what you were saying about your daughter and how she likes to just, do nothing with you. I think sometimes we think, Oh, I, I want to give them more things because we love our kids and we want them to have all the advantages and all the, you know, all the things that we can give them. And I think at a certain age though, especially when they're young like that, what they want is our time. Absolutely. As you're kind of navigating this and finding the right balance of pursuing your career 
and caring for your family and, and all the other things that are important to you. Are there any particular tools you like or, or resources you recommend that are helping you kind of manage all that and keep track of things in the way that you want to? Sure. So I'm using the pandemic as kind of an opportunity to reset my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm realizing that it's very important to me to keep somewhat of an orderly and predictable environment, not only to set a good example for my kids, but also um, for me and my husband's sanity. (laughs) (laughs) And as a person with ADHD, um, keeping an orderly environment is really challenging. Um, But I am learning that it is not impossible. So um, since we're moving into a new house soon, we're going to use this time as an opportunity to really shed a lot of the stuff that we don't want to take into the new house. Mm-hmm. So to, to make that possible, I'm trying to incorporate new habits and routines into my life. And um, one of the things that I'm doing is to have 14 recipes or menus to cook from, and it never changes. Mm. <laughs> I just chose 14 things that our family likes to eat, that things that I want to feed them for nutrition and also from a cultural standpoint because we are Korean American. Um, so I want my kids to grow up eating culturally genuine, uh, real food, real Korean food. Mm-hmm. Before I was <laughs> just growing chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and McDonald's at them. <laughs> but We've all done that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> There's no shame in that. Nope. <laughs> but I don't want to do that for 10 years, you know. <laughs> so I threw together like um, 14 menus that everyone likes to eat. It's easy to make. And I know exactly what I need to get at the store and how much of what to get. And I don't assign a day, you know, per menu or anything like that. But we just out of the 14 things. I can kind of pick and choose what we feel like eating that day. So mm-hmm. that has really simplified eating for us. Mm-hmm. And um, after learning about the Montessori method, I have my kids participate in the food prepping now. Mm. And this really improves their happiness at home. Before, I would just say, get out of the kitchen. Mommy's cooking now. Go watch TV or something like that. Um, but now they like to chop tofu with me or peel carrots wash potatoes, you know, scrubbing potatoes. They, they think it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> What's a chore for me? They think it's so much fun. And they say, I love helping you, mommy. <laughs> so they eat better. They're having fun. and They're more confident. And it really shows. So that's one thing that we're newly incorporating. And I guess in terms of tools, the apps that I like to use, I, I really love Notion. Mm pretty much my external brain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've organized my entire life in some sort of database and notion. And what I love about it is that you can make a database within a database, within a database, within a database, and you can go on forever and ever. Mm -hmm. I've really taken advantage of that and organized pretty much every aspect of my life in there. Hmm. The one thing that I love is the ScanSnap scanner mm-hmm. it can scan i forget exactly how many pages in a minute but it's very fast yeah it scans like a photocopier 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know how you put a photo, like a, a stack of paper in the photocopier and it just goes zoom, 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 zoom. Mm-hmm. It scans like that. Yeah. Um, so I've gotten rid of pretty much all the paper in our house over nice. the pandemic. That's been great. And for the things that I just carry around with me all day is a pen and a composition book where I can just brain dump everything Hmm. and my um, planner and daily task book. Um, So those things I always have with me in my bag. Hmm. So those are the things that I rely on to help me on top of whatever I'm supposed to be doing each day. It sounds like you've kind of found the tools that work for you and have a pretty simple system in place for managing the things. I mean, sometimes paper and pen is is the best possible tool. We can get all wrapped around looking at all the high tech stuff, but a simple notebook and a pen can get you a long way toward uh, managing, whether it's your to-do lists or writing down a phone number or an address that you need to, to remember or anything like that, just having that handy. And you know me, I love my digital tools, but I also love to always have a notebook and pen handy. It just uses a different part of your brain. And sometimes you can sort things out in a, in a better way with that tool than the most high tech thing you can find. Sure. And I know a lot of people use digital calendars and I do too, but on a daily basis, it's not my digital calendar that I flip open, mm-hmm. um, but rather my planner. So digital planner is my catch-all. Mm-hmm. If I have a doctor's appointment six months into the future, that doesn't go in my planner yet. It goes into my digital calendar. Um, and then I just have it remind me about a week before um, to make sure to plan that into my paper planner. I really think that writing it down reinforces it into your brain. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I like the paper planner. Is there a particular paper planner that you really like and use? I recently discovered one a couple months ago called Rote Runner. Rote? Like R-O-T-E? R-O-T-E. Okay. Rote Runner. Soft bound. It has a lot of pages. It's it's a weekly, monthly and weekly planner, um, but also with, you know, those dotted pages where you can do bullet journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it. I tried bullet journaling and I, I ended up not using, I loved the idea of it, but I just couldn't sit down and draw the layout every single week. Yeah. That was too much for me. <laughs> yes. It's sometimes easier to have a little more structure in the tool you're using, but it sounds like Rote Runner has the blend of the structured pages for the day-to-day, but also some blank space for you to freeform whatever you need. Absolutely. Very close to what I was looking for, so it's worked out for me. I don't take my weekly planner everywhere I go. I take my daily task book, but the task book contains tasks I need for that day based on the plans that I've made in the, in the Rote Runner planner. Hmm. How do you manage communication back and forth, say, between you and your husband? I, I think your kids are obviously, they're not old enough yet to have their own calendars that need to be managed. But how do you communicate those sorts of things back and forth with your husband? So you both know 
what needs to happen when and who's doing it? We do have a shared digital calendar, which we make a point of checking at least once a week. So when I do my weekly planning around Saturday or Sunday, I'll check his schedule too. I mean, when you have young kids and two parents with careers, it requires a lot of communication, doesn't it? To coordinate and make sure everything's covered when it needs to be covered. Definitely. Uh, One thing I did want to ask you about, well, there are a couple of things you mentioned in the, the materials you sent me kind of for your bio that you have aspirations to world school, your children. What does that mean to you? And and why is that an aspiration of yours? I found out about world schooling not too long ago, but it's essentially you're homeschooling your children as you travel around the world. So instead of learning about, for example, the Taj Mahal, you go to the Taj Mahal. Mm. Instead of learning about a place in China, the Forbidden City, or, you know, instead of watching a movie about it, you go to it. You take tours of that area and you feel the reality of it. Not everyone can do it. You can't just quit your job and Mm -hmm. (laughs) start traveling around the world. But I know a lot of families are doing it by running um, either internet companies, because those are things that can be done wherever you're in the world, or they intentionally work a lot while they're at home. For example, my home base would be the state. But you intentionally work a lot, work overtime, and you put a certain amount of money in your savings that you know you're going to need for about a year or two or however long you plan to travel. And you just order your finances in a way that you know can support your family. I know some families are very intentional about racking up mileage on their credit cards Mm -hmm. so that they can use that instead of cash to purchase plane tickets. So there's ways to do it. It's not the easiest thing, but I know it can be done. So I'm trying to figure out ways for that to become a reality for us as well. Mm-hmm. But I grew up all over the world yeah, in various cultural settings, different countries. And I think that it's really expanded the way I think and how I communicate with people. Mm-hmm. I've been told that I have a lot of compassion and I think that can be attributed to knowing that there are different types of people around the world, different cultures, different ways of thinking. Things that are unthinkable here in the United States is absolutely normal in other parts of the world. Yeah. You know, so just knowing that both sides exist helps me to not judge, but really try to come from more of an understanding perspective. And I would really love for my kids to cultivate that type of worldview. We won't get to travel around the world all the time, but at least if we choose to go to one city or one country, I'd like to expose them longer periods of time, you know, at least live there for like three months or so per city, per country. Maybe we come back, we work more, or we save up more money and then go back to another country. But however that would work, that would mean my kids can't really be in traditional school. It means that we would have to homeschool regularly. 
I don't know how that would work yet. So (laughs) that's why I'm trying to figure it out. And I know people do that. Uh, We homeschooled our kids for 10 years, but we weren't traveling around doing those sorts of things. I wish that was something we had thought of or, you know, considered as a possibility at the time when our kids were young, because everything you said really resonates with me. There is so much value in actually experiencing other cultures as opposed to just watching about, you know, a a documentary on Netflix. It's a very different thing Mm -hmm. uh, to actually be in the place and not just going to the tourist sites, but living in the culture, getting to know the people who live there and seeing different ways of being and different ways of thinking and different ways of doing things. You know, I'm a proud American. I'm pretty patriotic. I love this country, but I don't know if it's a weakness or I don't, I'm not sure what word I would choose here, but because the country is so big and takes up so much of the continent, we have historically had little reason as Americans to interact with other cultures because we're, although every state has its unique characteristics and all that sort of thing, we don't have the kind of interaction with people from other countries or who speak other languages that say Europeans do, you know, they're also uh, different countries very close to each other. And I think in a way we miss out on an opportunity there to experience different ways of thinking, you know, all those things we just were talking about. And so what a great thing to contemplate doing with your kids. I hope to make it a dream come true. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many things I'd love to talk with you about. I may have to ask you to come back one of these days because there are some other things. But before we go, uh, there are a couple of things. First of all, I think you may be the first realtor I've had on the on the show. And we've talked a little bit about what you're doing. In just a minute or two, do you have any tips or suggestions for people who might be interested in selling or buying a home, uh, especially in these kind of strange COVID times? Maybe one or two things you might suggest for someone who, who wants to sell their home and maybe a thing or two uh, that you'd recommend to, that you recommend to your clients who are looking to buy? Sure. For buyers, I would strongly suggest that you have a pre-approval. I have met with many people who are contemplating the idea of buying, um, but they don't want to get pre-approved until they have found the house they want to offer on. You mean pre-approved for financing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. In this market, I know there are other states where, you know, they're in a very similar situation as Philadelphia, but houses do not last on the market for more than, you know, a couple days these days. It hits the market and you get, you know, 33 showing requests in five hours. Mm-hmm. And by that evening, they've already received three or four offers. And by the next day, they have 10 offers in hand. And it gets a little overwhelming for both the sellers and the realtor. So um, they just stop accepting offers. And if you don't have a pre-approval by then, and you need to start that process the day you are trying to make an offer, it can get extremely stressful for everyone involved, and you may just end up losing the house Mm -hmm. that you wanted to offer on. So I would strongly suggest for buyers to have a pre-approval. Usually local lenders are great resources because they know the landscape, 
of that market that you want to offer on. And they work closely with the realtors. So they really form a partnership so that they can put you in the best position to get you the house you want. Okay. Get a pre-approval. Use a local lender who has a partnership with the realtor that you choose. Okay. For sellers, it really is a great, great, great time to sell. People are offering like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars over asking, mm. and a lot of these people have cash to cover mm. appraisal differences, and they want to be in the homes that you want to sell. Mm-hmm. So I would say the seller usually, like the real estate cycle, kind of comes and goes every like. 10 years or so, you know, the last real estate crash was in 2008. Now it's 2020. So that's 12 years. And we kind of predict that this seller's market will continue on for about another year or two because the economy isn't exactly going down right now. It's a great time to sell. Hmm. If you're contemplating a move within a year or two, I would say just do it now mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you can get top dollar for your property. And if you miss this vote, then you'll have to wait another 10 years until the next one. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, it's great advice for anybody who might be thinking about it and has been maybe, you know, playing with the idea of doing it, um, understanding how that works. And I guess maybe then the suggestion is if you're thinking about it, talk to a realtor and see what they have to say about the market in your area. And just talking to someone doesn't obligate you to go list your house if you decide you don't want to. But the people that are in the market, the realtors that are actually in your in your area know exactly the kind of things you're talking about and they can help you sort of dis, uh, get the facts you need to make those sorts of decisions. So that's interesting. Thanks, Sarah, for, for sharing that. I want to, I, I have to... Uh, sort of ask you the question I ask all my guests. We've talked about the the thoughtful approach you have uh, been taking to kind of, as you put it, resetting your life during the pandemic and the tools and systems you have in place to manage things. I know you're working on being very present for your kids and you have a morning routine that sounds like it really sets you up for great days, but with all that in mind, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And and if so, what do you do to get back on track? With my history, with working for you and listening to every interview on your show, <laughs> if you ever have anyone on this show who answers no to this question, I highly suggest that you report her because she is not from Earth. <laughs> I absolutely have those days uh, more often than I would like to. And it really depends on whether the kids are home or not. So if I'm overwhelmed and the kids are home, I just plop them in front of the TV so that I can have five minutes of silence. Before I had kids, I arrogantly thought that, you know, my kids' screen time will be extremely limited and I will be vigilant about what they watch. And at this time, I would like to extend a public apology (laughs) to all the parents whom I've judged when I was childless and naive. (laughs) When the kids aren't home and, you know, I'm overwhelmed because of work or something else, um, if 
kind of sounds silly, but I find that laughing really helps. Hmm. You know, you may be in the middle of <laughs> um, trying to, you know, save your job or whatever. And maybe that's not the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, but I feel so much better after I watch something really funny hmm. and I just laugh and I, I kind of have to make myself laugh. Mm-hmm. That way I pull myself out of that rut where I, all I'm seeing is that problem or mm-hmm. whatever is making me overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a playlist on YouTube of funny things. <laughs> you know, I know I can spend an entire afternoon just watching clip after clip after clip. So I do set a timer for like 10 minutes or 15 <laughs> minutes, something short. Yeah. And I just watch something really funny through those clips. And I think that shot of like endorphin mm-hmm. really gets me out of that. Like, oh, poor me. Why is my life always such a mess? Kind of funky, you know, mindset. <laughs> yeah. Either that or I watch some motivational clips. But if all these fail, I just cry. Like mm-hmm. crying really helps get the vent, like the, the emotions that are in your heart out. Mm-hmm. I find that really helps. And if it's just not my day and nothing works, I just call it a day. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. Now that's great. I love the idea of, of having things ready to go that will make you laugh because you're right there. I mean, there are scientific studies about that laughter, you know, really does help it. Somebody has said, you know, laughter is the best medicine and, and there really is something to that. It uh, does good things for us mentally, physically, and every other way. So great ideas. So what is on the horizon for you, Sarah? What do you have coming up either personally or professionally that you're looking forward to, excited about? I have my house move coming up. I just visited the site yesterday and they actually started pouring the foundation. So that's quite exciting. Other than that, I, you know, I'm really into Montessori education these days. I found out about that method at the beginning of the pandemic. I was looking for ideas to keep my kids entertained and give me five minutes of silence and pulled out a book that I had just shoved into the back of my bookcase that my friend had given to me before my daughter was born. (laughs) And it did not contain the types of short-term activities that I was looking for, but instead it gave me a very um, eye-opening perspective on how to raise confident and self-directed children. Mm. And I just fell into the whole world of it. And I am now fully committed to giving my kids a Montessori education. I started a uh, Instagram account called Todam Todam Montessori. And in Korean, Todam Todam means it's an adjective that depicts the way a child plays and grows, it's really hard to get the connotation across, but it just feels very like warm and happy and just the way it it, kind of captures the wonder of a child as Mm. they play and they learn through play and grow. So I thought that captured the idea of Montessori really well. So I started that Instagram account to record what I'm doing Mm -hmm. um, with the kids at home to share with other parents who are interested in this method. Sounds great. 
Sarah, where can people connect with you online if they want to check in with you or if they've got questions for you? What Where's the best place for them to find you? Sure. So I have a personal Facebook page, Sarah Sunshine, um, facebook.com slash Sarah Sunshine. Sunshine is spelled with a S. O N, not S U N. Okay. Sun is my maiden name. <laughs> and um, on Instagram, I have my realtor Instagram page and my Montessori Instagram page. But I'm more active on the Montessori one. Okay. But if you if you need realtor services, please email me at Sarah M at kw.com. <laughs> um, if you don't need real estate services and you just want to talk, I'm happy to talk. So you can email me there as well. And and I'll put links to all those things in the show notes so that if somebody's driving and can't write it down, they can you can find it there. You've always been a, a bright spot in my life, an encourager and an uplifter at various times. And so I appreciate that about you. Before we go, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or maybe some encouragement and getting things done and making a life that matters? What, what would you say to her? I would say if you're going really fast, think about where you're going. Mm. because I was going super fast and I had no idea to where I was going. My life was very chaotic. Um, But I think to the pandemic, I was able to slow down and really think about what I wanted out of life. And I really thought about when I'm 70 or 80 years old, do I want to look back and say, I missed out on a lot of things because I was just going fast, fast, fast. Mm. I absolutely didn't want to say that. So I would say that it's, it's okay to stop and think about where you're going. I think you'll have less regrets that way. I love it. That is uh, wise advice. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I had such a good time talking with Sarah, and I am really thankful to her for taking the time to talk with me for our benefit to share her thoughts on how she's making a life that matters in the various areas that she is spending her time and energy and attention. And I appreciated her sharing a few tips and suggestions and encouraging words for the rest of us. I hope you'll feel free to reach out to her if you want to connect with her, uh, the links to her social media channels you will find in the show notes for this episode. So what do you think? Do you have any questions or comments for me or for Sarah about the things we talked about? You can share those in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 317. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. Sarah is a member of that group, and I know if you tag her, she will respond. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. Remember, if you'd love to try hair care products that are personalized to your hair and your goals, remember to visit 
functionofbeauty.com slash TPW to take that hair quiz, hair profile quiz, and to save 20% on your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash TPW for 20% off. Be sure to let them know you heard about it from The Productive Woman. And thank you so much to Function of Beauty for supporting The Productive Woman podcast. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you for spending this time with me and with Sarah. I hope you felt like it was a worthwhile use of your time and that you found some help and encouragement here. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.